What do you do when your basic entire problem is failure to launch? Hi, welcome to another episode of Business Mindset Mastery. My name's Heather Gray. I'm a mindset and performance coach over at choosetohaveitall.com where I work with established business owners and leaders on building their best lives so they can run their best businesses. I'm enjoying the opportunity to talk to you today. I want to start an important conversation. Before I dive into failure to launch though, I do need to communicate transparently with all of you about something. Otherwise, I think I'll feel like I can't um, publish the show or um, or something like that. So I just need to communicate transparently for a second, and I hope you'll bear with me as I do that. Um, I haven't been happy with the past uh, couple episodes of the podcast that I've given. Um, you might have known that I think it was um, Wednesday. I missed the episode entirely, and I wasn't able to get one up for you. And I do value consistency, and I do value something that's predictable for people who have come to you know, use the show for their own daily mindset practice. It's been a technical nightmare this week. Um, Anybody who waxes poetic about the laptop lifestyle certainly hasn't lived in a hotel as long as I have, as my husband and I sort of continue the process of moving from the East Coast to the West Coast, um, where we've been living temporarily. And as a result, I've had inconsistent Wi-Fi, and the environment that the hotel is in is apparently currently under construction and we have housekeeping on the outside. So it's been a really noisy environment and I haven't been able to record the show with the consistency that I like or the consistent quality that I've kind of relied on offering you. I've always been really proud of the audio experience I offer my listeners and I know that this week has been off and I also know that I've been distracted by it. I don't even think I've been giving you my best pod because I've been trying so hard to get the consistency consistent delivery out and to make sure that the audio is worthwhile. So I think I lost my way a little bit and I just needed to acknowledge that to explain it. I teach my clients a lot of times when they're worried about something or they're fearful about something that the answer is to communicate transparently, to tell people what you want them to think. So this is me communicating transparently. Hopefully I don't sound like I'm shouting at you as I do it because currently trees are being chopped down next to me and there's a vacuum going on outside the hall. So I hope you can hear my message and my intent and know that this show is really important to me. It kind of started out as the little show that could, the little podcast that might, maybe I saw it as a passion project and I know at some point in time when it first started, I myself didn't take it very seriously, but I've started to really care about it. And I really care about the content and the quality. And I know I've been off my game and I know I can do better. And hopefully I start today as I talk to you about failure to launch. It's this phrase that in all honesty and all transparency, my apologies to the millennials who listen to this show, but it's a phrase I use to really sort of summarize what I call the millennial experience, where a lot of millennials sort of have these series of fits and starts, and they fail the launch. And when I was a mental health therapist and I had a handful of millennial clients, it just really seemed that that was like the summation of the problem. They just failed to launch. They were still living with their parents. They still had plans they weren't taking action on. They didn't know how to get a quote-unquote real job. They were just kind of stuck and sitting on go. And I coined the phrase, and I know I'm not the only one to use it, but this idea of failure to launch. 
yesterday on yesterday's show, I talked to you about and I shared a letter with you from a listener who had created two course offerings and never tried to sell them. And that's one example of failure to launch. And even though the episode came out later in the day than it normally does, my inbox has already been filled with seven or eight messages to the writer of yesterday's letter. So I just wanted to let her know that people heard your problem and it resonated with them. And a lot of people wrote to me about their own things that they started and haven't finished, their dreams that are sitting on a shelf, the plans that they thought they would make for 2017 that just got pushed into 2018 and now don't have any current plan of action on. And a lot of people are with you in this failure to launch, and I really think I can help. The first thing we have to do when we're talking about failure to launch is understand a little bit of the problem. And the first way we can do that is simply by normalizing it. We've all started things that we haven't finished. We've all, you know, like one of the things I I think about um, is when I packed my house in Boston before the move, I found all of these old versions of myself. Like I found a series of craft projects that I bought the material for, but I didn't even try to do. I found canning goods because I thought I was probably going to be Betty Crocker or something and make tons of jams and jellies at some point. All these ideas about ourselves that we impulsively think, spend some time thinking about, take a couple of steps and abandon on the side when it gets too hard, we get too busy, it becomes too expensive, or we start to doubt ourselves. So I think the first step is to not think that there's something wrong with us. As soon as we define ourselves as broken, as soon as we sort of box ourselves into that perception of ourselves, then we're stuck. We become the people who start things and never stop. It becomes a self-identifier or a self-descriptor. We talk about ourselves as, oh yeah, I buy crafts and I never finish them. Or yeah, sure, I'm always going to buy the latest cooking gadget and never use it. And when we use the descriptors like that, what ends up happening is we start to create stories about ourselves. And those stories have this way of being written in stone. I remember when I was in college, one of, I always have to add the precursor to this, but my parents were fairly strict growing up and my stepmother was kind of lord of the kitchen and she really owned the space and she never really wanted me in the kitchen, so she never taught me how to cook. And then when I was in college, and I knew how to bake a little bit from my grandmother, but I really had never cooked before I went to college. And I got a job babysitting two kids and the mom left instructions for cooking them dinner and I didn't know how to do it. So I had to call my friends back at their dorm rooms and they had to walk me through what I was supposed to do and how to, you know, how to do everything. And for years after the story was, remember when Heather didn't know how to cook even though I had developed a really significant passion for cooking, even though I was throwing really lavish parties, the story always was, can you believe Heather's the one that did this? Remember when she didn't know how to cook? And I think that what happens is those self-identifiers, those self-descriptors get locked in. And the only way we do them is we have to shift 
from I am X, Y, and Z, or I am A, B, and C, and we have to shift it into a question. How can I become someone who? So if we use my crafting example, because it's less personal and it's not entirely about business, but at some point in time, I saw all these Pinterest creative projects and it really interested me to do. I really wanted to jump in and try and I never did it. And honestly, when I look back on it, it's because I didn't create a space in my house to do it. So everything always had to be put away. So when I look at, I'm somebody who starts but doesn't finish craft projects. The first thing I think about when I try to turn it into how can I become someone who does is how, what do I need to do to do this differently? And when I looked back on it, I realized, yes, I wanted to craft. Yes, I wanted to try to be more creative. I was getting locked into thinking about business all the time because I was building my online business and it had become really important to me. When I change it from I'm somebody who starts things and never finishes it and turns it into how can I be someone who finishes it, the answer becomes obvious. I need to create physical space and make room for it so that it can happen. I want you to think of the self-descriptors you're carrying about yourself. So the people who have written speeches, but they haven't pitched them to TED Talks. The people who have done tons of video, but they haven't loaded them up to YouTube. The people who have all but one chapter done in their book, but haven't, you know, pitched it to an editor or looked at how to use Amazon Kindle to self-publish. The people who wrote me the letters and the people listening to the show. How do you change your self-descriptor into a question that opens the door for learning something new? Part of this is going to be doing a self-analysis with yourself um, and maybe even, maybe I got the steps backwards a little bit and maybe you need to do this step first, but you have to also ask yourself, is this still something you want? So when I was looking at the abandoned craft projects, when I was looking at the jars and jars that I had for like whatever canning project I was going to do at some point in time, I had to ask myself, do I still want to be like a crafty person or do I still want to can home goods? And the reality is, is I was moving from Boston to California. I know that part of the reason why I chose those projects is because New England winters are long and I didn't like that I was always watching TV and binging on Netflix. So I was trying to find things to do inside. And I knew that part of the lure of California, part of why we chose California as the place we wanted to live is it was going to allow for more outdoor living. So I wasn't going to um, be seeking an inside activity immediately. So I donated everything that I had purchased for the assorted projects and said, if I still want to do it in a year, you know, I'll buy the stuff again. That's what you have to do for yourself, because I do think sometimes we get these ideas or we create these little fantasies or many stories about ourselves, about what we want our lives to look like and what we wish we could do or we hope we could do, but we're not really serious. And you have to figure out how can you tell the difference, right? That's probably the question you're asking me as you listen to this. How do you know what you're supposed to pursue? How do you know what you're supposed to go back to and complete a promise on or finish? And it really comes down to what are you willing to do to get what you want? 
it was really clear when I looked at all the passion projects I started at the house and all the canning things that I had that I wasn't really willing to do the work involved. I didn't care enough. It was some pipe idea at some point, probably when I was bored as hell with whatever was on Netflix and I was feeling bad about TV, but it wasn't really the way I wanted to spend my time. So it didn't lock me in. I didn't feel hooked by it. So yes, it was easily let go. I think that's what you look at. How easy is this to let go? How comfortable are you abandoning it and walking away? Because that usually shows you your commitment. It shows you your investment. And sure, you may be afraid to want it. You may wish you didn't want it because your life is about to get incredibly harder or there's going to be more demands on it and you're going to have to compromise your time in some way. But do you really want it? And you may not know how. And that's okay because that's figure outable. We can help you figure that out. But you have to make the decision for yourself that you want it. And yesterday's uh, listener question was really about that. If you go back and listen, it was really about the idea that the listener wrote in having completed two courses and done nothing with them. It was, what do you want to have happen? I think sometimes the vulnerability that gets attached to the ideas we have takes over and it runs the show for us and it gets in the way of us owning what we want, what our goals are and what we hope to have happen next. You have to be able to own the fact that you want your life to be different. Yes, there are going to be trade-offs. Yes, there are going to be compromises. But if you don't own what it is you want, it's so hard and unclear to figure out how you're going to go and get it. And before you go further, before you take your do-over, before you give yourself a fresh start, I have a really important question that needs to be added to this conversation. Are you willing to forgive yourself for not doing it yet? Are you willing to accept that you did this and are you willing to move on? Because in the time that I've worked with business owners, I cannot tell you how stuck they get about their mistakes and their coulda, shoulda, wouldas. They feel locked into them. They feel like it's created a new ending to their story and it's a weight that they can't get out under rather than recognizing what I say to people all the time. At any point in time, you get to decide this isn't how my story is going to end. Starting over doesn't work until you forgive yourself for what you haven't yet done. It, it's just non-negotiable because what happens when we don't accept the mistakes we've made or the wrong turns or the failures or the rejections is we embed them into our stories about ourselves and they become those self-descriptors I was just talking about. They become the way we define ourselves and then we get stuck. So if you're looking for that fresh start and you want to create it for yourself, you have to accept that you simply haven't gotten there yet and that there's reasons for it. There's wrong turns that you made, but it's okay because as long as you're breathing, as long as you've got your health, there's still time. And that's what you want to embrace. The idea that you have time to take the do-over. And the next thing you have to look at is 
the way you planned it or didn't plan it, the way you set it up or didn't set it up, didn't work for you. And so often it's because we create these stories for how we're supposed to do things. I was talking to a business owner client yesterday and she was talking so much about how she hates marketing and she doesn't want to put herself out there and she hates having to kind of sell, sell, sell all the time. And one of the things that I told her is that she is, you know, locking herself into this idea that there's some kind of formula in place, that there's this rule in the strategy for how you market an online business, and she's stuck to that specific way of doing things. But that isn't who she is, and that isn't how she moves through the world. When I asked her what she would do differently for marketing, and, you know, if she was able to throw out the rule book, she had had a ton of ideas. She was able to offer me a lot of things that she's thought about. And then she added the caveat, but nobody's really doing it. So it probably wouldn't work. I should stick with what everyone else does. And that's where I argued with her and said, you're leaving yourself outside the door. You're not bringing yourself into your business. And that's why you're miserable. So often when people are failure to launch, when they haven't, you know, pressed play in they're sitting on go and they're stuck in the meantime, it's because they refuse to accept who they are and how they move through the world. And that has become their tipping point, their stuck point, and where they're getting like all like tangled up in quicksand because they simply will not accept the strengths they bring to the table enough to own them and acknowledge the weaknesses and where they need help. I want you to think about who you are, how you move through the world, and set this goal up accordingly. Whatever you're failing to launch, whatever idea you have that you haven't taken action on, whatever change you have yet to make in your life, if you could do it in a way that sets you up for success, what would it look like? So for example, if you're an introvert, and I have this conversation with my introvert clients all the time, you can't put yourself in the spotlight, full-time, nine-to-five, Facebook Live videos, YouTube videos, in-person meetups, networking, because giving away that much energy will drain you. It simply doesn't work for you. It doesn't mean you don't get to run and own a business as an introvert, but it means that you need to know where you get your energy, where you lose your energy, and plan accordingly. Perhaps you'll start inviting a few people to your business to show them around and tell them about it. Perhaps you'll network with one or two people over lunch. Perhaps you'll choose one large event, but then give yourself two weeks when you don't have to network with anybody. You get to know who you are, how you move through the world successfully, and set yourself up for success by planning accordingly and not denying who you are or what sets you up for success. The reality is, is if you gave me any kind of article to read or understand about psychology or any of the social sciences, I could probably scan it, tell you what it said, and, you know, sort of prattle about a, a good, accurate summary. If you make me do the same thing about anything science-related or math-related, I'm going to have to read it a couple of times. I'm going to have to take notes. I'm going to have to have a sense of a summary. I'm probably going to need to check it with someone else, and then I could present it. 
Otherwise, I'm not set up for success. We have to know our strengths and weaknesses and own. It's really important that we're unapologetic about our strengths and weaknesses, and we just own them. When we run away from them, when we play small about it, when we wish them away or try to ignore them, we only set ourselves up to fail. When we own what we're really good at and we allow ourselves to feel pride about that, we can use our awareness of our skills, our strengths to push forward, to make positive, healthy decisions for our lives and our businesses. When we try to pretend that we don't have weaknesses, when there's nothing we have to work on, or we ignore the questions to things that we don't know the answer to because we're too embarrassed to ask, that's how we fail to launch. That's how we fail to show up for ourselves, for our lives and our businesses. The key here is self-awareness. That's why mindset is so important in this conversation. And that's why we, we need to keep this conversation going because we don't know how we're getting in our own way. We don't know how we're becoming our own worst enemy. All we do is we look at the series of fits and starts, we label ourselves as something less than, and then we act accordingly. Once we know where we get hung up, once we know the things that trip us up, we can problem solve, find the answers out. You know, a good example to this is people who struggle with ADD. A lot of times people who struggle with ADD will tell me, oh, I never finish anything. I can't get anything done. I start these projects. I never finish them. I wouldn't be able to own a business because if I were my own employee, I'd be firing them on, you know, I'd be firing me on day one. And again, that's another example of somebody with ADD saying I am versus how can I and the reality is is ADHD type clients of mine are really boldly bravely creative they have a lot of ideas they have a lot of energy but yes because they struggle with focus they do need a handful of skill sets and strategies that they can use to implement so that they stay on point stay on task and complete things and stay focused on the dream. But the part that we have to look at is whether or not that dream, the product, the service, whatever we're talking about here in this conversation, have you made it non-negotiable for yourself? Because once you've decided it's happening, once you decide you want it to, you know, to take off and to see what it can do, you get to problem solve how. You can acknowledge what hasn't worked in the past and make a plan to prevent it from happening again. You get to move to the how. When you get stuck in that same old tired story about yourself or you tie yourself to all of these real or imagined limitations you think you have, you never get past go. That's why you abandon the project, you forget about the idea, and you put it in the someday box. If you want to launch, if you want to show up, and if you want to put yourself out there, the way to do it is with self-awareness, self-acceptance, knowing who you are, what you do, and how you move through the world so you can set this delivery up for success. 
When you deny who you are and you leave the best parts of yourself out at the door, you're not going to show up for yourself. Nothing good happens from that. I've witnessed it with my clients over and over again. You have to show up in your business and you have to be unapologetic about it because people are going to buy from you, the person, and it's not going to work if you pretend to be somebody else or you pretend to just carry off this perfect facade. It's really hard to take a chance. So much of failure to launch is tied with vulnerability. And I really believe that the most vulnerable thing for a lot of you listening is going to be give yourself permission to be yourselves. But I would argue that if you look at why it hasn't happened yet, it's because you've run away from yourself or you've created a story of who you are and what you're not capable of. And we need to turn that story on its end in order to get rid of it for good. One of the things I noticed about yesterday's letter and other listeners to the show caught on to it too is the fact that the letter writer really didn't let anybody into the idea that she was creating these courses. So when she abandoned them and jumped ship on them and put them in a closet for somebody else, you know, to find someday, nobody really knew. She, nobody held her accountable. And I actually think that's the main reason why a lot of people end up in that failure to launch problem. Because because they don't have a support network that they can lean on, be inspired by, ask questions to, and get support from, so they never successfully move. They don't get to the other side because they're so alone and isolated in the process. And when they're only accountable to themselves and it gets too hard, it's way easier to give up. So if you're sitting on a product or service, or you're sitting on an idea, and you identify with this concept of failure to launch. The best piece of advice I can give you, and maybe I should have started with this, but is you need to find your people. You need to find people who think about business, who care about business, who care about you and what you want to put out to the world so that you can ask questions, lean on them, get support, and get their insight and their two cents. Because the other thing that often stops people is when they come to a moment of not knowing and they've encountered a problem that they can't figure out, don't know how to solve, that's when it's really easy to quit. I haven't quite gotten, for example, audio editing down, and I've made so many mistakes and ruined episodes that I've had to re-record with poor audio editing that yesterday when I did a podcast episode, I coughed in the middle of it, and I kept the cough in, partly because I do really do believe done is better than perfect, but partly because I didn't want to risk you know, ruining another podcast episode and having to re-record it for a third time, so I I just went with it. If I had people that I could lean on, and I do, um, and I have to reach out, I could learn better audio strategies, audio editing strategies. I can learn how to do it faster with more efficiency so it could be less cumbersome. Because I tell you, on a daily podcast, it could end up being really cumbersome when you get involved in audio editing. So I, I know that that's a question I have. I know that I have to find the answer. And in the moments when it all goes wrong, I have a choice. Do do I put out something that sounds less than stellar or do I risk not putting it out at all simply because I haven't asked for help yet? 
That's the question you need to ask yourselves. And if you can find that community, you can find the people you trust and that you can lean on, it all gets easier. And then you launch, you fly, and it gets out there, or you fall a little bit and you have to learn from it, but you've released yourself from that prison of vulnerability. You've taken the thing that you really want to have happen, the idea, the dream, the plan, whatever it is that you're sitting on right now, and you've put it out into the world, and everything gets better from there because you've changed your story about yourself, and you've made it so. You've moved from I am to how can I? And that's where powerful, powerful change can happen. Thanks so much for joining me today for this conversation. Thanks for sticking with me this week through all the audio foibles that I had and all the mix-ups and all the restarts and the re-records. I really appreciate you joining me, and I appreciate you writing in with your questions and comments. It really made a tough week easier seeing how many people were still engaging with this show, even though it felt like it was all going wrong at times. If you have a question and you'd like my two cents, do write me over at heather at choosetohaveitall.com so we can continue the conversation. But also, more importantly, if you would like my eyes on your business, if you need my two cents on your personal stuck spots and you don't want to talk about it with a public audience and you need to dive deeper, do consider reaching out to work with me. You can find out how I work with folks over at heather at choosetohaveitall.com forward slash work with me. I would love to have a conversation about how I can help you build your business and improve your life. You can find me there. Thanks so much for talking to me today. I'll be back in your earbuds next week, probably next Tuesday to communicate transparently. It's a long weekend here in the States and I'm brand new to California, so there's way more exploring to do. So until then, I'll hope I'll wish you a good weekend. Thank you for listening. Bye for now.